0: Welcome to the last week of a series we call Jesus on Money, because there's a lot of competing voices for how we treat our money and how how we interact with it. So we thought, let's just go through a few weeks and look and see what Jesus has to say about money. Now, if you're here for the first time today, this is the the fourth week of this series, and if you're thinking, great, I knew if I came to church they'd talk about money, honey, did not tell you they're going to talk about money. That's all they talk about at church. That's not all we talk about. But Jesus talked a lot about it, so we're going to look into the scriptures for one more part of this series and see what Jesus has to say about money. Because as we look at these stories today, we're going to look at and see what Jesus' opinion is and his teachings are about this topic. We'll find that my money and my eternal destination are connected. They really are. It's, it talks about that story after story in the New Testament. Well, as I talk today, I'm going to share with you two stories, and I want you to do kind of a, a self-evaluation and just think, which one of these two people that Donnie's talking about am I the most like? Not the one I want to be most like, but which one, be, based on the actions in my life and my attitudes that I know that are in there, which one of these two am I most like? I'm going to tell, stories, tell the story of two guys. The first guy is a guy named Zacchaeus. Now, if you grew up going to Sunday school, the only thing you know about Zacchaeus is he was a wee little man, right? He was a little short guy. That's all you know. There's a song about Zacchaeus being this wee little man. If you didn't go to Sunday school growing up, just ignore that part. But Zacchaeus was short. The Bible says he was a short guy. But there's a lot more to Zacchaeus's character than just him being of short stature. Zacchaeus was a publican. He was a tax collector. He 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 was not only a a tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector that worked for the Roman government, which made him even more hated. He would have had lots and lots of money. He would have had money in every pocket. He would have been taking deals under the table from his own people against against the government that they were having to live under. So he would not have had any friends, but Zacchaeus, as we'll find out, had a change of heart pretty quickly. Then there's the other person that Jesus has a conversation with about money, and he doesn't really have a name. He's just the rich young man or the rich young ruler, and we can just name him, you know, Jimmy, Bob, whatever. We can just call him something. But he had a Bob. Is that what you want to call him? Okay, Bob. He's going to be Bob. And Bob came up to Jesus, and he wanted to know, you know, what, hey, what, how do I get into this whole heaven thing? But here's the kind of person this rich young ruler was. This rich young ruler would have been a churchgoer. This rich young ruler would have read the scriptures, and he would have been a person who obeyed God's law. This rich young ruler would have had a prayer life. He would have gone to church. If people saw him, they would have said, that guy is holy because of the external things he was doing. So here's two guys getting ready to have a conversation with Jesus. And the only thing they have in common right now is they are rich. So Jesus is going to converse with these two rich people in two different instances in Scripture. Now, remember, before you start thinking, well, great, he's not talking about me because I'm not rich. If I said, who's not rich? Many people in here, most, probably all, we would raise our hand because rich is always defined as double what you have, right? If you had double, you wouldn't be rich anymore, right? If I had more, then you would be rich. You wouldn't be poor anymore. But rich can be defined as having more than you need. If we went to other countries in the world and we said, are those people rich? They would say, well, do they have a roof over their head? Yes. Well, do they have enough food to eat? Oh, enough food? They got more than enough food. Do they have transportation? Yes. Then they are rich. In fact, if you make more than $27,000 a year, you are among the top 4% of the world's wealthy. If you make more than $75,000 a year, then you are in the top 1% of the world's wealth. So everybody in this room, except maybe some teenagers, unless you got a really good allowance, (laughs) is rich. We all have more than we need. If you don't have enough food and you don't have a place to sleep, come and talk to me and you will tonight. That'll happen. So I think we're all in the category of rich because we all have more than we need. So this rich guy, let's look at him first. He comes up to Jesus and here's how he approaches Jesus. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Now, Jewish rabbis did not allow followers to call them good. If you went up to a Jewish rabbi and you said, oh, you're good, he would say, no, 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 I'm not good. Only God in heaven is good. So Jesus, being a Jewish rabbi, would have said the same thing the other Jewish rabbis would have said. No, 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 no. I'm not good. There's only one good, God in heaven. That's what any rabbi would have told him when he came up to him. So that's the way he approached Jesus. Now here's how Zacchaeus gets in Jesus' presence. In Luke 19, beginning at verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So this wee little man, Zacchaeus, wanted to see Jesus. So he thought, well, the only way I'm going to do it, because nobody likes me, they're not going to let me get in front. I mean, he could say, hey, short guy coming through, let me get in the front. But nobody liked him. He was hated because he's a tax collector. So he has to go down the road, get up in a tree, and hope that Jesus comes his way so he can hear Jesus. So do you see the two different approaches? See, they both approached Jesus, but they just did it differently. One approaches Jesus with this confidence like, hey, I'm successful, I'm smart, I have money, so what do I need to do? Because I'm an achiever, and achievers need to know what do I have to do, and I'll do it so then I can go to heaven. That's the way he approached Jesus. Then Zacchaeus approaches by saying, Wow, if I can just get in a tree, if I can just get up to maybe I'll hear Jesus and maybe he'll say something that's good and maybe it'll change my life. Two very different approaches. The way I approach Jesus determines the way I respond to him, as we'll see as we look at how these two guys respond to him. That's true in all parts of life. Ladies, if you want your husbands to wash the dishes right? I mean, if, if, you, if you want them to want to wash the dishes, there's a way you approach that, right? You got, ladies, you can make guys want to wash dishes. Guys, can you believe that, that you'd want to wash dishes? I mean, most guys say, why would I want to wash the dishes? I don't get it. But ladies, you know how to approach. If you just say, go in there, you lazy bum, stop watching football and wash the dishes. How many dishes would probably be broken? In the process of washing them. So it's just the way you approach it. And guys, when we want our wives to do something, there's a way that you approach it. It's delicately, right? <laughs> Very delicately. And you calculate your words and you watch. You don't just blurt stuff out. And you get about anything you want. If you do if you just approach it right. See, it's all in the approach. And these guys are coming up, they're approaching Jesus two different ways. One of them's like a wild-eyed child just saying, if I could just hear him, if I could just get around him. And the other one's like, hey, Jesus, uh, hey, I'm, I'm good at what I do. Just uh, let me know what I need to do, and I'll see you in heaven. I mean, that's kind of his approach. Just, hey, God, tell me the rules. I'll do them, and I'll see you in heaven. And here's what the rich young ruler, Bob, heard. <laughs> he heard Jesus say, you know the commandments. Do not murder Do not commit adultery. Now, this guy's starting to feel good, like, yeah, buddy. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. He didn't know what Jesus was going to say, so he's thinking, I'm in. I'm in. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So you see, the guy is hearing Jesus say, do this, do this, do this. And he's like, doing it, doing it. I'm great. I know. Yep, that's right. Uh-huh. You love me. Come on, bring it on, Jesus. What do I need to do? And he's all happy. And you can just see his, he's welling up with pride. And Jesus said, well, go sell everything you have. And he's like, oh, Oh yeah, I mean, whoever, when when Luke wrote this down, whoever or when Mark wrote this down, he's 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 writing down this guy. All of a sudden, looked sad because he knew he oh, giving up my money. Come on, Jesus, I worked hard for this. So he walks away sad. He approached Jesus one way. He left another way. Listen, what happens with Zacchaeus? When Jesus reached the spot, this is where Zacchaeus is up in this tree, he looked up at him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything... I will pay back four times the amount. Now, two rich men, they had that in common. Another thing they had in common, they were both far from God. One of them knew it, and one of them didn't. Zacchaeus knew, hey, I'm a long way from God. The rich young ruler comes saying, what do I need to do? Because I'm not messed up. I do everything right. Everything's great in my life. Leave sad and disappointed because he thought he was okay. He was just needing salvation as as another not, as another thing to possess. And he walks away sad. If I never see myself as lost, I can never be saved. And the rich young ruler never saw himself as lost. I can remember in my life, in my early 20s in college, laying in my bed, realizing I am lost. I lived by these train tracks, the only apartment I could afford. And when these trains would slap together, it would shake the ground. I'd be like, oh, my gosh. It's, it's time, and I know where I'm headed. It's like smoking section for me. I'm sure of it. And, and I realized I was separated from God. And I knew that there were some things in my life that had to go if I was going to follow God. And that's where these two guys are. They've reached the realization something in life has to go If I'm going to inherit the kingdom of heaven, if I'm going to spend eternity with God, if I'm going to follow God. And in in the rich young ruler's case, he was holding so tightly to his money that when Jesus reached out his hand and said, come on, follow me, he's like, I don't have another hand. I I can't let go of this, and there's Jesus, and what do I do with that? I can't let it go, and he's just holding on to it so tightly. And you may not be able to relate to holding on to money so tightly that you can't let go, but you're probably holding on to something. Everybody's holding on to something at some point in their life, and Jesus says, let that go if you want to follow me. You may may have been Zacchaeus and said, hey, I'll give it all away. I don't care. It's just money. I'll make more of it. No big deal. That's some people's attitude towards money. So that might be an easy thing for you to let go of. But for the rich young ruler, he couldn't. He want to hang on to his money. For each of us, it's probably something different. Maybe it's a relationship that you just can't let go of. It's a, it's a, a hurt or a pain or a, or a habit or something that you're just not willing to let go of. and You hold it dear. And when Jesus says, let that go, you say, well, my hands are full. Jesus, I can't. I can't. i got to hold on to this. That's what this rich young man was doing. And at the same time, Zacchaeus experiences this conversion that causes him to say, half of everything I own, I'm giving to the poor. You're thinking, well, he's rich. I know a lot of rich people give away half and they never miss it. Then he says, I'll pay back four times the amount if I cheated anybody. That probably broke him. So he gives away half he, right in front of Jesus. I'm giving away half, and then I'm going to pay back. And you know people in the crowd are like, hey, can I, where can, where's the line to get four times what you cheated me out of? Can you imagine the bookkeeping nightmare and the, the crooks that are trying to say, yeah, you cheated me, yeah, yeah. He obviously knew who he had cheated, and, and he was going to pay them back four times, which meant he's not going to have any money. But when he came to a knowledge of who Jesus was, whatever was in his life that was keeping him from Jesus was that wall in between he and Jesus. He was like, I don't care what it is. I'll get rid of it. And that's what he asks each of us to do. Whatever it is, maybe it is your money. Maybe something else. Then Jesus starts to make statements in both of these stories about salvation. I mean, we all, we all would want to think, well, I would choose what Zacchaeus chose. Because money does come after our hearts. That's how it works. I mean, it does. It, it comes after our hearts for our trust. And it wants us to trust in it. Instead of just using it to do things, to enjoy, to do good things with, which there's nothing wrong with that. But where it starts to be wrong is when that's where our trust is based and we're not willing to let go of it. And then Jesus starts to tie this idea of our wealth and our possessions to our salvation. Listen what he says. To Zacchaeus, he says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to, came to seek and save that which was lost. So he wanted everybody to know this man, salvation has come to his house. He's also a son of Abraham because all the people around would have thought he's just a sinner. He's not entitled to the same things we're entitled to. And Jesus, when he calls him his son of Abraham, is saying, this guy has just as much right to the promise of Abraham as you do. So he's a son of Abraham too. So don't think you're, you all are all that. And he's not. And he says salvation's come to his house. And just because the guy gave away money doesn't mean he was saved. I mean, if that's all it took was a check to, to attain salvation and to receive salvation, that'd be pretty easy, wouldn't it? Well, I'll just write a check. But the money is in this story as a fruit of the fact that he had this conversion. It wasn't a means to it. It, wasn't, it was evidence of it. We can't see hearts. People write big checks, small checks, give stuff up, give that up. We can't see the heart, but you can see evidence on the outside. Of maybe what's going on in there and how I handle my money is an indicator of what's in my heart just like the way I handle my schedule is an indicator of what's important to me if I say family is important and I never spend any time with them I'm lying to myself and everybody else if I say physical fitness is important but I'm 50 pounds overweight Well, you're just not getting what's, you're not making important what you say is important. You can look, you can say what is important in regards to your money, but look at your checkbook or your debit card statement. That will tell you what you value, what you spend money on. And Jesus is indicating here that the way you handle your money is an indicator of what's in your heart. See, Jesus accepts people because of this story, we see that Jesus accepts people right where they are. You heard, you've heard us at Life Point say, come as you are. We didn't make that up. Jesus made that up. He's the one that said, I've come to save the sinners. He's the one that said, all come to me, everybody. And just like Jesus says, we try to say, come as you are, comma, don't stay as you are. I've actually had people get upset with me when we start talking about, hey, here's some activity you might want to really consider in line with Scripture and something you need to change in your life. And they go, well, I thought you could come as you are to your church. Well, you can. You just can't stay that way. You have to change. I mean, it's the same thing Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, hey, come on, tax collector. Now, that kiss when you cheat people from now on, be nice about it, okay? He didn't say that. He said, I'll take anybody wherever, and we will too. Anybody, doesn't matter your lifestyle, doesn't matter your beliefs. You can truly come as you are, but just like when you come to know Jesus, there's things in your life you have to change. He takes you right where you are, and he loves you way too much to let you stay there. So when the rich young ruler found all this out, it says that he went away sad. And then Jesus looked around on his disciples and listened. to what he said. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now Jesus just said some very challenging things He's saying it's hard for rich people to go to heaven. Revealing his belief that he believes that rich people are somehow at a disadvantage when it comes to salvation. When it comes to knowing about Jesus Christ and sharing that relationship with him, Jesus would say the rich are at a disadvantage. And so would other biblical writers. As as they carry that belief of Jesus into their lives and they began to write down Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit, they would write things like you read in James chapter 1 where James says, The one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. Now, why would he say that? Why would Jesus believe that? And then why would other biblical writers say and express the belief that the rich are somehow handicapped when it comes to salvation. Now, remember who is rich. I think partly because if you try to explain the kingdom of heaven to a person who is rich and has everything on earth, it's kind of hard to understand. Anybody ever watch MTV Cribs? I've caught it a few times. I don't know if it's still on or not. That's pretty cool, right? Who's an artist? Who's like an upcoming uh, famous artist, got lots of money? Name somebody. I said P. Diddy, but that's too old. Give me somebody else. Bon Jovi. Everybody's showing their age. Okay, Usher. Usher's good. All right, Usher. Usher has this house, I'm sure, that's just outlandish and big and huge. Jay Leno was on there once. Jay Leno's got a garage that holds like... 50 cars, and he's got a car in every bay of millions of dollars worth of cars. And and it just outlines rich person after rich person and their crib, you know, their house, their place where they're having people over. And it goes and shows all of these conveniences that they've purchased on earth. Now, how could you sit down with Usher and say, let me tell you about heaven? Heaven's a place where the Bible says streets are paved with gold. I got gold in my bathtub. My (laughs) bathtub's made out of gold. You'll never want for anything. And he'd be like, hey, check it out. Look at my garage. Look at my TV. Look at my home theater. Look at it. It seats 150 people. It's got an indoor swimming pool off the back. What do you mean, heaven? This is heaven, man. So when you're trying to tell somebody like that, there's a better place, no wonder Jesus says it's hard for rich people to get this whole heaven thing because they've got everything they need here on earth. So in that sense, Yes, it's really hard to explain to someone who has everything that they can have everything. It just doesn't quite work. On the other hand, if you tell somebody that doesn't have enough food to eat and they don't have a place to sleep and they don't have the right kind of medication to keep them well and you start talking to them about this other place, eternity, heaven, streets paved with gold, they're like, you mean food all I want? Yeah, really? Tell me about it. You mean shelter? Yeah. Really? tell me more about heaven. Do you see how one would be a captive audience and one would go, ah, I already got everything. Oh, and by the way, I show sure the way you get everything, you has got to give all that up. Oh, then I ain't going. <laughs> so no wonder Jesus says it's really hard for rich people to wrap their minds and hearts around this thing called heaven then jesus says something that have caused theologians to debate and and search insert meaning maybe it's not there but here here's the big debate about this one this one line when jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter heaven now that sounds kind of silly jesus right i mean the camel can't go through the eye of a needle so what are you saying they can rich people can't ever go to heaven it's jesus just using this Huge exaggeration to make a point. Now scholars will say, some scholars will say, well, the eye of the needle Jesus is talking about is really this gate in Jerusalem that is a little bit lower than the big gate that if a camel came in on Sabbath day with all the stuff on its back because you're not allowed to conduct transactions on Sabbath day, they would make the owner of the camel take all the stuff off of its back and it would have to walk through these gates... And just last week, somebody told me they had toured Jerusalem and they had gone, gone through this tour and the tour guide said, now this, this smaller gate is where the camels came through on the Sabbath because they had to take all the goods off their back and they had to lower their head, had to get on their knees and they had to squeeze through this gate. And he actually walked through it and he said it was a, a small little tunnel that kind of went like that and it's called the needle's eye. And whether the story Jesus told was talking about that or whether the story the tour guide told my friend came from the story Jesus told. That's not really relevant, but what Jesus was trying to communicate is that it's very difficult for people who are not willing to give up things that they're holding on to to go to heaven. In this case, he's talking about a rich man. He's talking about somebody with money. Someone else's case, he may say something else. He may say, Get rid of your anger. Get rid of your addictions. Get rid of that relationship. Get rid of your money, whatever. Just get rid of it. Stop holding on to it so tightly and let it go. So whether Jesus was talking about literally eye of a needle to show the impossibility of it ever happening or whether he was talking about this gate, the result is that without God, as Jesus is going to say, nothing is possible anyway this story shows both of these stories show that when i'm asked to give up something in which i place my trust my allegiance becomes clear so both of them gave something up both of them had the opportunity to give something up zacchaeus his allegiance became clear it's to christ and christ alone the rich young ruler his allegiance was clearly to his money Are we really talking about money? I mean, Jesus does talk about money a lot. All the little parables that he told, 66% of them had to do with money and possessions. The reason is because that's the place where we tend so much to place our trust. So really, all these things about money had to do with trust. Where are you placing your trust? In the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs... Chapter 3, verse 5. King Solomon wrote, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. He's talking about trust. But immediately after that, Solomon starts to talk about money. Give of your first fruits, he says. And if you do, your barns will be filled to overflowing. There's this principle in Scripture that if I have money, I must have my trust in God and not the money. It never says it's bad to have money. It's bad for you to be wealthy. It never says it's bad for you to make money ever. But what it's bad to do is to place so much trust in the money that you're not willing to give it up to make a difference in the world. And you're not willing to let it go when it becomes an obstacle between you and and having a relationship with Christ. So as you've listened to these stories, which one are you? Are you the, 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 the guy, Zacchaeus, who with a childlike faith runs into the teachings of Jesus and says, I will give up half of everything that I own? Not only will I do that, I will pay back four times anybody I've cheated. See, money wasn't the object of his trust there. Is that you? We all like to think, well, yeah, I'm Zacchaeus, of course. We all want to think that. But are we more like the guy who Jesus said, give up your stuff? And he said, no, Jesus, I can't do it. There's so much trust in these things that I've accumulated on earth, I can't get rid of it. So if you're Zacchaeus and you're ready to do that, awesome. Come talk to me today just to give up, whether it's money or anything else in your life, you're ready to give up. You're going to have a chance to do that at the end of this service. If you're the rich young ruler who refuses to let go of the thing that's standing between you and God, you're going to leave his presence sad 100% of the time until you're ready to do that. You're going to live with this feeling inside like something's not quite right and you'll never have the enjoyment. If it is money for you, you'll never enjoy your money as much as you'll enjoy it when you start to release it all to God. No matter how much you have, you'll enjoy it a lot more when you see it all as His and giving it up. Notice Jesus didn't tell the guy, give away all of your money to the poor. He said, give to the poor. It wasn't like Jesus was saying, be destitute. And He doesn't call everybody to, to just give away all their money. But he calls everybody to give away that which they hold on to that keeps them from fully following Christ. When Jesus brought eternity and money together, it confused the disciples. It says they were even more amazed and said to each other, Well, then who can be saved? If rich people can't be saved, they're supposed to be the good guys in that culture. Who can, who, Jesus? You're saying a camel, eye of a needle? That's impossible? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. You may think that whatever that thing is in your life that you're trying to get rid of, that you'll never get rid of it. I'll just never do it. I can never be Zacchaeus. I can never just run up and say, that's it, I'm done, I'm finished. And Jesus will say, that's right, you can't. But with God, you can you'll never be. You'll never have enough willpower to do it. But with God, you can and It's pretty simple. Today, today you see uh, a white piece of paper. It's about the size of a dollar bill in your program. And as the band sings the first half of this song, just sit there and listen and, and write on that piece of paper, what is it? What, 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 what is it that's keeping me from going through the eye of the needle? What is it that I'm holding on to so tightly that when Jesus says, put your hand in mine and follow me, you're like, I don't have any hands left. I'm sorry, I can't let it go. Whatever that is, write it down. Write it down on that piece of paper. And as the band plays this last song, they're offering buckets on each side of the stage, not for money, but for you to come up and put it in the bucket and say, that's it, I release it. Now, if, you don't, if you're not comfortable doing that, you don't want to walk down front, that's okay. Just keep it, throw it, and then wad it up and throw it in the trash, and remember that you've given it completely and totally over to God. Because just like Jesus said to the rich young ruler, get rid of your money and follow me. He's telling you, get rid of something. So whatever it is, write on that paper, bring it as an offering to God, put it in one of these buckets. And then you can go over into the other theater across the way, across the hallway and share in a time of communion. Let's pray. God, as we've looked at all these scriptures to see what your son has to say about money, may we see all of them just pointing to us trusting deeply in you. Father, and when people write things down on this piece of paper today, I pray that as they place them in these buckets, they truly let them go and place their hands in yours. Father, for, for the people that are here that want to be and have a Zacchaeus kind of faith, I pray they would just have the courage to come up and talk to me or Eddie or any other pastors and be guided through how they can start a relationship with you.